Hey everyone, this is Kat, and you're listening to the recap for episode 210. Yeah. I'm joined by two really super awesome people today. You know them, so I'll let them talk. I'm Allison Sigurd. I'm here. <laughs> I'm Michael, and I am also here. And, <laughs> and as a friendly reminder... Good, we're all here. That's fantastic. We are recapping episode 210, which was about religion and fate, which was an excellent episode, and listeners, if you haven't taken a listen to it yet, head over to alohomora.mugglenet.com, because you'll definitely want to hear that. Um, and the reason that we can do this recap episode, the reason that we continue to do recaps with the listeners, your comments that we can still add into the show is because on this episode of Courtney Waters and her contribution Yay. on Patreon. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you so much, yeah. Courtney, for helping us out with this episode. And you, listener, yes, you can become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month. We will continue to release exclusive tidbits for our sponsors. Um, we have lots of special cool perks on Patreon. You can check them out by going through our main website, alohomora.mugglenet.com or patreon.com slash alohomora. So I guess we'll just like jump right into it here. Um, Religion and fate. Dinner conversation. Religion and fate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The two things with this and politics that you're never supposed to talk about. (laughs) So here we go. Let's talk about it. Our first comment here comes from longtime listener, always commenter, Diskid. Hello, shout out to Diskid. Not that kid. Diskid. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Never gets old. <laughs> Love it. Okay. One thing that would have been interesting to discuss with ghosts and religion is whether or not choosing to stay behind on Earth could possibly be in conjunction with afterlife punishment that happens in the wizarding world. Sir Nicholas says that the wisest wizards do not choose this path, implying it's the wrong choice. This seems to be backed up by the fact that ghosts do not appear to have an ideal time on Earth as they are very limited in what they can do. Not in all, but in many religions, afterlife punishment is also a permanent sentence. Coming back as a ghost does seem to be permanent. Myrtle only stayed behind to haunt Olive Hornby. Hornby is now dead, so Myrtle's unfinished business is seemingly over, but she is still a ghost. This implies being a ghost is permanent, even if the ghost has finished their business and would possibly choose to move on, were they given the choice again. A theme in J.K. Rowling's book is to not fear death, and ghosts are part of that theme, but I never really thought about how it may be possible that they are symbolic of the afterlife punishments you see in religions. Brilliant. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. It's almost wow. like <laughs> symbolizing purgatory mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Then totally, yeah, totally is. I never, ever, ever thought about it that way. I guess because I I wasn't on that episode, but I am not really a religious person in the the very uh, narrow minded sense of the word. I I believe in a higher power and, and, and spiritual, and I feel those things. Um, I'm I'm a bit of a, a a bit of a hippie. I'm a bit of an earth child, but I do believe in something of that. Um, I don't know where I fall on the heaven and hell and purgatory stuff, but I think that as far as allegories go, this this is beautiful. <laughs> it's I it's beautiful. I'd never really given this much thought before. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I think a lot of you guys' conversation last week on ghosts actually could have easily segued into a proper full episode on ghosts, which we still kind of need to do. Mm. Um, 
because that definitely like you were you, that that definitely touches on things with death and religion and whatnot uh, i'll say for my part because um you all excellently summarized kind of your backgrounds um i am like daniel radcliffe i am jewish non-practicing um but very proud of my heritage did have a bar mitzvah um and was kind of more into my jewish studies in um middle school and a little bit in high school wait did you say you didn't have one or did have one did and it was like one of the best days of my life they picked me up in a chair and threw candy at me it was great um, <laughs> our mitzvahs awesome. are amazing if you've never been to one. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, and I've over the years come to formulate, um, my beliefs through actually a lot of different, uh, personal kind of experiences and different information that I've acquired from individuals and experiences. Um, my father actually was studying to, he would kind of be a part of the he, uh, priesthood and he left the church after a while after becoming disillusioned with it. Um, but he has a lot of, um, religious teachings, um, that he's knowledgeable in. And so I've learned a lot from him with that. And so when it, I kind of like how Rowling approaches Harry Potter in that way, because you, you can take it as kind of, it's, it's, it's a little more subtle than say Narnia, um, Mm. which um, (laughs) kind of has its heart on its shoulder very much with what it's trying to teach you versus um, I think the nice thing about uh, Harry Potter is that the, the, the religious aspects are kind of universal and that they don't necessarily pertain to one specific religion. We often read it through, you know, the, the Christian religion, but it's easy to connect. And I think as you ladies did, on last week's or two weeks ago episode, um, you know, connect those threads to other um, religions and religious disciplines, and perhaps that's why this kind of idea of 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 ghosts is here in place of perhaps that what Diskid mentioned punishments beyond because that definitely gets as I think when you when you talk about punishments in the afterlife that automatically associates. Uh, with Dante's vision of hell. That's what I was also thinking of. Yeah. Was, uh, Inferno. Yeah, exactly. And we and a lot of that, especially that idea of like, maybe your business, unfinished business is done, but you're still kind of stuck. Yeah, there, well, there, because there's a, the, the kind of the overarching torture of every circle in Dante's hell is that it's eternal. That mm-hmm. there's, you know, whatever punishment you're going through in whatever circle you're in, you're going to be going through it forever. Um, and so I think that's that definitely equates to the idea of a ghost. because And as, as Diskid pointed out, unlike perhaps maybe a, our traditional idea of a ghost, where if they complete their, you know, the common term of, quote, unfinished business, they get to mm. pass on... Um, they get access to the afterlife in Harry's world and in this wizarding world that Rowling has built up, that doesn't happen. Um, and Myrtle is a shining example of that. Um, even Nick, um, because in his case, his, his thing is a physical thing. He's mostly just hung up on the fact that he didn't get his head chopped off and he'll never get his head chopped off. Um, he can't even, he would, he, his unfinished business will never be finished. Um, Myrtle's was, um, but she didn't move on after that. So yeah, that's that. Def- I think that definitely is a great correlation because Rowling doesn't define a a hell 
um, as a location in Harry Potter. Right. Um, it is more of like a poetic mindset, I guess, almost. More of a state of being. State of being. A place. Yeah. Well, because Voldemort's ending is kind of a personal hell in a mm-hmm. way, which is different from a ghost because he's stuck, like you said, Allison, he's stuck in a kind of purgatory, but it's a different kind. Um, it's not on the, it's not in our worldly plane. He's somewhere else. Um, He's dead. He dead. But yeah, that little, (laughs) you know, that little weird, creepy Voldemort baby drenched in, you know, prego sauce thing. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Lying, lying under the bench. Not ragu. (laughs) In, in, uh. In King's Cross, wherever that is, because, you know, that that gets complicated when you have Dumbledore trying to kind of explain to Harry what that place even is. Um, mm. State of limbo. I don't know. So. But yeah, no, I think that's a really cool idea because, again, it, it, it doesn't necessarily conform to a specific um, religious idea of punishment in the afterlife. It's more general. Disc kid bringing it home again. Good job. <laughs> Snaps. Disc kid. <laughs> Our next comment here comes from the Society for Rescue of Vanished Animals. But um, as you guys can all hear, I'm a little sick. So I'm hoping maybe one of you could read this lovely comment because I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> Allison, why don't you take this Luna comment? I, th- I will take this one. Thank you. So Society for the Rescue of Vanished Animals says, I would love to know more about Luna's perspective on spirituality in the spirit world. She clearly has an affinity, as we see when she helps Harry deal with Sirius's death. And is this just in the movies? The fact that she's the only student who has formed a relationship with the Grey Lady. Yes, it is. I've always seen her as an important character for Harry's journey of understanding death and the more intangible, hard-to-explain-so-take-it-on-faith aspects of magic. Symbolically, she's connected with so many relevant things. Thestrals, the veil, the diadem, which could be read as representing not only a search for worldly wisdom, but higher forms of wisdom and truth as well, whether spiritual or platonic or anything you like. Even the Hallows through her father. I'd just love to sit with her and chat about her ideas and beliefs of souls, the afterlife, or other worlds, the spirits within nature and animals. This was excellent. I really liked this comment. It also makes Luna sound very, like, new agey. (laughs) (laughs) Which she she kind of is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She, well, Luna, because I think we've talked about this a little bit before, but Luna's also kind of a representation of, um... She's a major representation in Harry Potter of faith, which I think is a word that is often associated with religion. You don't have to. Again, why it's so perfect the way Rowling approaches it. You don't have to associate faith with religion, but Harry Potter has a lot about the faith in the unknown or the unseen. And Luna is a Luna is all about believing in the unknown and the unseen, Um, which makes it so that while she sees while she in turn while that that in turn opens her up to kind of believing in basically anything because i did just read in my research for the main episode you know the part where uh they're talking about the resurrection stone with xenophilius and he's like hermione says it doesn't exist and xenophilius goes prove it she says by that measure you could say that anything doesn't doesn't exist and 
I think that, like, you know, that's a wide scope to look at the world with. But at the same time, it does open up Luna to seeing and believing in these things that are so associated with death um, Mm -hmm. that are important for the Harry Potter series. Um, That these ultimate beliefs that there's something beyond death or that people die but don't necessarily leave um, that are important to Harry's journey. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, guess, I mean that's all i can say <laughs> i guess i would add that you know because even though it's in um even though it's only in the movies with the gray lady i guess in a way that kind of makes sense why they went ahead and did that if we think about it that way um yeah because luna does seem to have that connection with the other side um that other characters may not i think luna's biggest job in harry's journey is simply to get him to look at things in a way that he wouldn't have looked at them before. And whether that is love or family or faith or whatever that may be, I think um, she's a really important character in Harry's journey. And I do think that she helps him be okay with loss. I think that without her, um, especially in Order of the Phoenix and everything, because, you know, that's when they meet and when their their relationship is is fairly strong almost immediately. And I think that if Harry didn't have Luna when he went through everything that he was going through and after losing Sirius and everything, it would have been... He would have gone down a very uh, dark, deep hole very quickly because uh, Harry is very dramatic, mm-hmm. as we know. <laughs> and I think that that light and understanding that Luna brings to his life and to the world in general is the only thing that kind of kept him afloat and out of that hole. Um, even if he didn't fully understand why, I've always seen Luna as sort of uh, a figurative angel as far as Harry is concerned. I know. I w- yeah, that's that's a great way to put it because I was actually going to say, based on the way you were saying it, it's, you know, in the wizarding world, because we don't see practiced religion, Harry doesn't cope with death by going to a place of worship or praying necessarily like some might do in that situation. And Luna's almost kind of the stand-in for that in a way and as a as a spiritual advisor um because she has she doesn't have the answers but she has the most comforting kind of solutions and approach um and that's i think at its heart in many ways that's what religion is meant to be um sure if you look at it from a a more um from from an anthropo- anthropological standpoint, uh, religion tends to develop in culture because people seek answers um, right. to questions they themselves can't answer, and they look to higher powers that may not exist or that they can't see um, to provide answers for them. And um, right, so yeah, something to believe in, something to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. yeah, Luna sure. would definitely fall into that, being that being that kind of messenger for those right for those answers that's really cool that's a really neat way to look at it um well i'll go ahead and 
take up our last comment, which stretches a little uh, bit from Luna into a lot of other characters. Luna's mentioned in this one, and this is kind of on the topic of you guys uh, where you hit last week on the uh, the Trinity. Um, and this comment comes from Gryffindor, who says, on the subject of the Trinity and the mirroring trios, mirroring trios, rather, of Harry, Ron, and Hermione as compared to Draco, Crabbe, and Goyle, what of the rest of the Big Seven, specifically the other trio of Neville, Luna, and Ginny? I think these three can match up both with the Golden Trio as well as when directly put up against the symbolism of the Holy Trinity. Neville is similar to, to a Jesus figure in that he is Harry's counterpart and is ready to directly sacrifice himself in the Battle of Hogwarts. The Death Eaters then ridicule and torture him to use him as an example, just as the Pharisees made an example of Christ on the cross. Luna is the more spiritual aspect of the trio, believing in things that she cannot see or touch, and having a deeply grounded moral compass, much like the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Finally, Ginny could be compared to the father in her take-charge nature, which makes her a natural leader, as well as her fiery temperament. Think banishment from the garden, the great flood, plagues, etc. Oh, she does literally curse people with bogeys and things like that, so yeah. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> then we come to Draco, a possible Judas figure. He essentially betrays Dumbledore and Half-Blood Prince by t- trying multiple times to kill him, as well as bringing Death Eaters into the castle, though he may also be a sort of anti-Judas in that he sees Harry at Malfoy Manor in Deathly Hallows and chooses to not give him up immediately to Voldemort, a sort of rewriting of history in a way. And I thought that point was especially interesting based on what you guys talked about. <laughs> applause, applause, applause. That that was amazing. That that <laughs> last point I thought was really interesting with what you guys talked about last week too. Of um, I believe um, uh, was it Nicole who was the guest and also third host. Yes. Yeah. And Nicole had kind of talked about um, in the story how Judas is possessed by the devil, right? And like, mm-hmm. and there, and that he's, and that when he, when the devil leaves him, he feels remorse for what he's done. Um, so that could certainly line up with Malfoy's journey as well. Not certainly. I mean, that is it, Malfoy's it does. journey. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So it still works. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I think that's amazing. And I mean, it goes to the, the, the theme of choices, too, of where if you're comparing the two in the first case, like with Dumbledore, he chooses to commit that betrayal. But then what if he had made the other choice, which he ends up doing with Harry, to not give him up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, this is really... I like that, I like that Gryffindor, she managed to take the other three... And kind of come up with pretty solid um, parallels uh, that were these worked really well, and then perfectly piggybacked off of uh, society's comment about Luna and her spiritual nature. Um, they definitely. It's almost like J.K. Rowling like knows stuff <laughs> <laughs> and is smart and does research. I mean. It I, I love when our listeners come up with these theories and these awesome ideas, and then we're like, duh. Like, <laughs> obviously, that's what Joe is doing. Duh. It just, she uh, continues to amaze me. When, and what I appreciated about Alice and what you and the your fellow hosts did on the last episode that was so good was really examining perhaps why it's actually, well, there was this, 
kind of false approach the idea that Harry Potter promoted witchcraft and then the way that you you ladies examined kind of the Hebrew the the the, the come taking the Bible from Hebrew and Greek translations and and putting it in English and maybe using words that don't necessarily mean what they mean um, and the change mm-hmm. the changing context of words throughout history and why the witchcraft that's being discussed in the Bible is not necessarily what's being referred to in Harry Potter mm-hmm. kind of shows and I think these comments show why it's far more beneficial to actually look at how these texts line up rather than how one text tells us not to read the other text. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's so much to be culled from um, examining this against religious text. Um, so I think that's that was a really great that was a really great result of uh, of episode two ten and the comments that came from our listeners this week and we wanted to make sure and shout out to listeners who participated we wanted to give a shout out to jared jenkins and how am i going to translate this for your comments as well as a shout out maxima to lisa and snape's many buttons uh your comments were excellent um and really a thoughtful ideas unfortunately we just didn't have the room for them and in the case of those particular comments they kind of trailed off onto some other subjects that would be easy to discuss in an entire full episode <laughs> um but make sure and check those out listeners at alohamora.mugglenet.com just because episode 210 is now uh in the past does not mean that the conversation is over so make sure and check out those comments and add to the discussion and a special thank you to everyone who either on twitter or on the comments and such reminded me the word i was looking for was enlightenment which was the word that kept <laughs> popping to mind but i was like that doesn't sound i know right. i so felt I so bad when it. when i listened to that part because yeah. i was like i know what she's trying to say is enlightenment <laughs> and after yeah. like right after the episode i was like obviously that's what you were looking for <laughs> i was like well now I sound dumb, but it's fine. Thank you all of you for reminding me <laughs> and double checking when I forget things because that happens a lot when we're recording. I forget the words I'm looking for. Yes, it's the listeners who keep us from being dumb. Yes, yeah. and the listeners Indeed also keep us going. Yeah, through our Patreon. So make sure you go and check us out. Uh, thank you again to our sponsor for this episode, Courtney. Thank you so much. For letting us talk about our recap today, um, you can check us out, and like Courtney, at patreon.com slash alohomora or at alohomora.mugglenet.com on our little Patreon tab. And you can sponsor us for as low as a dollar a month. And we are grateful to each and every one of you. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. You rock. Snaps for you. I'm all about the snaps. Yeah. I don't know why. And because you guys rock and are so amazing, and because you help us out on things like Patreon, it's possible for us to not only have these recap discussions, but full, epic, hours-long discussions um, on our full topic episodes. And this week, we will be talking about wand lore. So make sure and polish off your wands, because uh, it's time to examine thoroughly wandwoods lengths flexibility cores all that kind of stuff um in this main topic absolutely no innuendos allowed (laughs) (laughs) noah freed okay (laughs) just saying so put your dirty minds away before you listen to that episode kids. (laughs) okay
thanks for helping to read the comments, by the way. Um, hopefully everybody listening to the episode doesn't want to rip their ears out listening to my very nasally <laughs> voice. I apologize in advance. And I'm Kat. I'm Allison. I'm Michael. And we will see you on episode 211 of Alohomora. <laughs>